Can We Conversate, a place where we discuss politics, pop culture, and pretty much anything that's on our mind. I'm Tamika. I'm Leah. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Bye. guys and welcome to this episode of can we conversate so in this week's episode we're going to continue our black history series i'm talking about important people we're talking about people we found important that are not necessarily mainstream um people that they like to discuss so um talia say hello to the people hello la okay Okay, um, so let's get into this episode, guys. So this week, we're going to be talking about Shirley Chisholm. Um, so Shirley Chisholm was born in Brooklyn, New York in, on November 30th, 1924. Um, she came from very humble beginnings. Um, both of her parents were from the islands. Um, her mom was from Barbados, and I think her dad was from, um, I'm not sure. I don't want to make it up because I, I can't remember. Um, but they were, they struggled economically like a lot of African-Americans and a lot of people, period, in the 1920s. She spent part of her childhood in Barbados with her grandmother, which was her mom's mom. Once she um, started high school, she attended this very pre- prestigious high school in New York City. After graduating from high school, she attended Brooklyn College. While she was at Brooklyn College, she joined Delta Sigma Theta um, sorority. She received awards for debating, and she also joined the Harriet Tugman Society. Um, While she was at Brooklyn College, she advocated for an African-American studies um, class to be added to the curriculum, and she advocated for more women student leaders in student government. Once she graduated from Brooklyn College in 1946, she attended Columbia University's Teachers College and she earned her master's in elementary studies. In 1964, she decided that she wanted to run for the New York State Assembly and she won. She served in that capacity from 1965 to 1968. Um, two of her major accomplishments while serving in the assembly um, was granting domestic workers unemployment benefits and a program that gave underprivileged students the opportunity to attend college while they were still while they were taking remedial education classes. So in 1968, she decided that she wanted to one, run for New York's 12th con- congressional district seat. And by doing so, she she ran for it and she won, making her the first African-American woman elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, which I didn't know, which I'm surprised I didn't know. Um, I don't know why I didn't know that, but that was um, something that I found that was interesting. So she served in Congress from 1969 to 1983. While in Congress, she served on several different committees. Um, She served on the Veteran Affairs Committee, the House Agricultural Committee, and the Education and Labor Committee. Um, and she also later on joined, joined the Rules Committee, making her the first black woman to serve in that capacity. So in 1972, she launched her bid for president, making her the first black person to seek the presidential nomination from one of the two major parties. So Leah, that's when you started doing your research. So what did you find out when you um, when you started researching about her president? Um, the Democrat um, National Convention was in July of 1972. It was in Miami just a month before burglars broke in to the Democrat headquarters. 
One of her slogans were that she always said was unbothered, unbossed. Chisholm knew that she wouldn't win the election, but she wanted to influence people and her delegates that not only that women's rights, that she wanted to fight for women's rights, black American rights, and indigenous people's rights. All of her opponents were white men, but one stood out, George Wallace of the great state of Alabama. Alabama. <clears throat> um, so one of his slogans was segregation now, segregation tomorrow, and segregation forever. It was incredible that a black woman and a man who had been the face of Southern segregation competed in the same primary. On her campaign, on her campaign, everything Chisholm said basically said rejected everything that he stood for. Uh-huh. She didn't point him out, but she did give a lot of side eyes. Uh-huh. Girl, the shade. <laughs> In July, Chisholm arrived at the Democrat um convention with 152 delegates that pushed her what put her in fourth place. Even though she didn't win, she knew that her campaign could change the minds of people that not only white men can run for president. She knew not only was she a woman running for president in, at this time, but she was a colored woman running for president in this time. Yeah. yeah. So, in, so in 1971, she became one of the founding members of the Congressional Black Caucus and the National Women's um, the National, excuse me, the Women's Political Caucus. Um, her efforts to broaden food, the food stamp program and to establish a special supplemental nutrition program for women, infants, and children are among her lasting contributions as a congresswoman. But her most important piece of legislation was the 1974 minimum wage law that passed Congress. That bill expanded minimum wage standards to apply to domestic workers and as well as to more state and local government employees. In 1984, she co-founded the National Congress for Black Women, and in 1990, she co-founded African American Women for Reproductive Rights. Um, sadly, Ms. Chisholm passed away um, on January 1st of 2005. So kind of looking at what we've discussed here, Talia, and some of the research that you did and that we both kind of did together, what was something that kind of stood out to you that you found interesting when we were doing our our studies on Miss Chisholm. Um. So when I talked about Jordan George Wallace, I said, almost said Jordan, but George Wallace. Mm-hmm. For some reason, when I was researching up, he had some unknown reason that he really liked her, and she couldn't figure out why. Nobody else could figure out why he why she, he liked her, but he went to Florida and he said, "Do not vote these over lizards. Vote Shirley Chisholm," and that basically plummeted her um votes in Florida so she did not win in Florida but he um a couple months later before the convention two months before the convention he almost died with a failed assassin attack they shot assassination him assassination attack yes they they shot him five times huh. and i put him in sixth place he was two places behind her oh, okay. in the um race so why do you think her numbers in Florida plummeted after he said to vote for her. What do you think? Um, um, I really don't know because Florida, um, maybe it was reverse psychology where it was, if he said to vote for her, people would be like, so George Wallace supports her. Well, maybe something's wrong with her. 
if he supports her, so maybe I'm not going to support her. Probably. Maybe. That's interesting. Um, so what else you found? I'm sorry. I just threw that in there and threw that at you. Um, and I thought, I thought it was interesting that she knew not only was she a woman running for president because at this time they were, um, women were like treated as, before even this time, women were like treated not like men because men were better than women. And who said that? People said that? People said that at the mm -hmm. time, that men were better than women because they were strong and they could do all the other stuff, like they could work. And women didn't really have that that much of a paying job. Normally, at this time, they were stay-at-home moms, and they really didn't go out into a workplace and work. And so not, she knew that she, not only was she a woman, but she was a colored woman running for president, that she probably wouldn't get as many votes, mm -hmm. but she would influence people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's... That's the interesting part about it, too, is that she knew she, like you said, she knew she wasn't going to win, but she knew that if she got enough delegates and with her being in fourth place and having 152 delegates, she could push the agenda of the Democratic um, platform. And part of the thing, like you said, that she was, she worked towards and that was important to her on her platform was gender and gender and I mean gender rights and rights for um, African Americans. Um, and I also found interesting in my stuff in my studies was that during that time she was really big on reproductive rights, um, especially when it comes to like um, abortions. Even though that wasn't a hot button topic during the time that she was in Congress, when she ran for president, those were things. And while she was in Congress, those were things that were important to her. Um, something like, um, that I found interesting was like I said that, um, I knew she ran for president, but something else that I noticed while doing this research was that she really was strategic. And when she came up with her policies and things that she fought for, she was very strategic in making sure that domestic workers always had resources because when she was in the state assembly in New York, she granted, she worked to get get domestic workers unemployment benefits. And then in the 1974 Minimum Wage Act, she worked for domestic workers to have higher minimum wage. And I think a lot of that had to do with her parents being immigrants. And maybe her mom in particular had to do domestic work, which was considered like, you know, maids you know, nannies cleaning up, you know, people's houses and taking care of, you know, other people's um, children. So I found that in every step that she went in every place of, in every position of power that she had, she was always looking out for the the little person, for the domestic per person, the person that some people may look like that they're on the bottom of the totem pole. They always seem to be someone that she, that she looked out for. Um, so I really, I'm happy that we did, we chose to do um, Charlie Chisholm because I learned a lot about her and um, how even when she decided not to run for Congress anymore because her second husband was in a car accident and um, was injured really badly, so she needed to go home, you know, to take care of her husband, she still was sought after and she still was doing things trying to help people when like she established the um the national congress for black women she wasn't in congress then when she co-founded that and in 1990 she wasn't in congress when she co-founded the african-american women for reproductive freedom 
And even when President Clinton became president, he wanted her to be ambassador to Jamaica. But she couldn't do it because at the time her health was failing and she was sick. So she wasn't able to, you know, fill that role in that capacity for, you know, the way that she needed to. So she turned that role down. But until all the way up until her death, she was constantly still working, trying to leave this world and this country in a better situation than it was when she found it. So um, was there anything else that you found interesting about Miss Chisholm while you was doing um, your research? No, I didn't find anything else that was interesting in my stuff, but I did find something interesting in your stuff about the Harriet Tubman program. What was that really about? So, so I didn't research the Harriet Tubman Society, so um, I don't have those facts for you right now. But I will provide the people with the information. I do a short YouTube video or something, I put something on the website or on our social media explaining what the Harriet Tubman Society was. So do you have anything else? No. All right, guys. So that's it for this week's episode of Can We Conversate? Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, like always, hit us up on social media. Um, you can hit us up on Instagram, TikTok, and Fanbase. Um, we also have a YouTube page now, so you can hit us up there. I'm trying to put more... Um, content on the Facebook page. And also you can hit us up on our website. The link will be in our bio on Instagram and on TikTok. So until next time, can we conversate? Bye. I hope you have a great week.